Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and science can coexist peacefully. This was their finest. Today's episode is brought to you by Omeo. Omeo is a travel booking platform that makes planning a journey in Europe and North America effortless. Just enter your travel details and Omeo will magically give you all the train, bus, flight, and ferry options for your journey. It's never been simpler to book your first real vacation for 2021. Best of all, using Omeo saves you time and money. That's a win-win in our books. Omeo wants to help you leave your house this summer by offering 5% off your next booking. Just head to omeo.com and use the code LISTENA5 at checkout. Valid until June 30th for new users on all modes of transport. It's just the pick-me-up 2021 needs. Omeo. Plan, book, and love the journey. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, guys, welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. I'm Sean. Okay, today we're going to talk about the Chronicle of Aduham. <laughs> <laughs> you right? <laughs> I have enough people watched a JoJo to like get your references? I think anyone, our audience is acquainted with anime. I see. This episode is about, it's Alzheimer's disease part two. Yes, we're talking right. about more Alzheimer's and specifically we're going to delve into the controversy around... The FDA's approval of a recent new drug. Sean, say it. Yeah, it's uh, Aduhelm or Aducanumab. Aducanumab! Aduhelm! Two great heroes of, uh, I think it would be like, like the, I was supposed to say Ronin. Like Rohan would be more Aduheim. And then like. Uh, Aducanumab. That would be like a, like a later evil king of the Numenor, right? Sure. I was also yeah. thinking Aducanumab might be like a, a child of Ungoliant or whatever. Yeah, you know that what makes I mean? sense. Like it's a, sort of like a, a Shelob type name, you know? And before the episode I had told you, it sounded like, I guess it's a similar thing. One of the spider creatures in the north mm-hmm. for, uh, that Arthas like, corrupts yep. in Warcraft 3 or World of Warcraft. I buy it. Yeah, Sumerian in general. But holy shit. Yeah. None of that's going to make sense to anybody. But okay, so here, look. We're talking about Alzheimer's. This is part two. Originally, our part two was going to cover things like alternative hypotheses as to what's causing Alzheimer's. Yeah. But the thing is, the controversy around a recent drug approval by the FDA. It's deep, guys. It's just too much. It's too much going on right now. It's way too current an event. Right. That we like absolutely did not plan with this episode, really. Right. So like... Because it's just going nuts right now, I felt like we had to do this episode, and this one's just about this new drug that has been approved. It was approved June 7th of this year, 2021. This whole episode is devoted to Aducanumab. Yes. Or part two, the Chronicles of Aducanumab. (laughs) So guys, get ready for this epic journey through poor FDA (laughs) decision-making, the terribleness that is patient advocacy groups. And the broader corruption deep within the drug state of America. Coming in hot, all right. Let's, let's <laughs> do it. Just kidding. Let's do it. I love Alucanobab. Let's go. Okay, so Sean, I think um, a large part of the controversy around the FDA approval of this new drug is around the process of approval. So Sean, most of our listeners, the underprivileged youths like me, they don't <laughs> speak the language, they don't read it, right? So sure. can you walk them through the FDA advisory process? Yeah, okay. So the FDA needs to do things like evaluate all of the scientific information about new drugs that are trying to get approved for use in humans, right? Like Dr. Oz supplements, right? <laughs> no. Well, not supplements, yeah, because yeah, explicitly yeah. those do not need to go through FDA approval. Right. So long as they don't make medical claims. Right. There is actually an example of an Alzheimer's drug that 
did not really make it all the way and they kind of gave up on getting FDA approval, but right. then started marketing it as a supplement nice. for like retaining memory and stuff like that. Fucked up. Yeah, very fun. <laughs> and then the FDA got mad at them because they argued that like it's not actually needed to supplement anything. Right. They had a big debate about it. Anyway, in the process of trying to approve these drugs, the FDA will sometimes call in what's called a scientific advisory committee. Okay. Right. The scientific advisory committee is made up of, you know, like big deal scientists right, and the doctors. Avengers. Okay. Like and all the strongest doctors. They got all the details, right? They yes. know what's going on and they know how to evaluate things like clinical trial data. Imagine 12 Stephen Hawking's, like all wheelchair bound and shit, just like sitting in a room being <laughs> like, what is the medicine? Right? <laughs> like, like the greatest minds of our time. Wow. Right? Oh, shit. Like a bunch I, of Modocs. I didn't know you were going to do a Stephen like Hawking. 12 Patton Oswalds <laughs> just sitting in a room. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever end up watching Modoc, by the way? No, but I've wanted to. Yeah, I've wanted it's to because it seems very funny. I know you lie in bed after nine. <laughs> you can watch an episode. It's yeah, like but I, w- I was busy watching the Pride and Prejudice miniseries. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, that makes it. You watch the Pride and Prejudice miniseries? I do. You have so much more patience than I do. I, a movie's enough for no, me. No, see, see, look. Anytime that it's boring, I'm on my phone. Oh, okay. right, 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 right. But anytime Colin Firth, like, makes a noise or sort of like, eh, eh, and then I'm like, <laughs> yeah! You know, I'm not a big Colin Firth. I don't, I don't dislike Colin Firth at all, but I don't find him, like, sexy. I don't exactly find him sexy, but right. as He's, Mr. Darcy, right. I think he solidly nails it. It's like how Henry Cavill never made sense to me until he was The Witcher. Oh. And, like, every grunt got me rock hard. Yeah, see, for me, it was when he built a gaming PC, yeah, I got rock hard. That's true. <laughs> I never even liked Henry Cavill as an actor until I read a, an, an interview where he said he likes the Total War video game series. Yeah. And I defend him now to people. I'm like, no, man, he was great in Man. I've never seen Man of Steel. I mean, it, legitimately, he built a desktop computer, and I was like, Justice League ain't that bad. Yeah. <laughs> what a chat, dude. I wanted to have so much work. And, like, <laughs> I don't care what he ruins. <laughs> he's, okay. got, he's got the Midas right. touch of my heart. All right, we, we, we got to try it a little bit harder. <laughs> okay, so look. So basically, uh, yes, the FDA calls in the Scientific Advisory Committee. Not on every yeah. single drug, though, okay? Right. Because sometimes some drugs that get approved or are trying to get approval yeah. are just, like, the latest generation in a line of drugs that are sort of similar and maybe right. it just like has fewer side effects or something, right? Right. For that, the FDA does not need to call in the scientific. First version right. of Advil just killed one percent of users. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking die. <laughs> so good. Yeah. No. But uh, well, okay. Yeah. So we call in the super panel. Right. And and then we always listen to them, right? <laughs> no. So I will say that a majority of the time, the FDA will end up agreeing with what the scientific advisory committee says. Who is the FDA? Like, obviously, the Food and Drug Administration, but, like, so clearly there's a distinction between academia, practicing doctors, and the quote-unquote FDA. Yeah. Who are the bureaucrats who have the decision-making power in the FDA? Are they, like, also go through the same schools? Like, who are these people? They are people who are hired in often with things like master's degrees and PhDs and things like that. But there is also a non-zero amount of other thought processes that go into FDA decision-making, including political ones and things that have to do more with sort of like the survey of what kinds of drugs are out there, what do patients really need right now, that kind of thing. Not economists thinking about Medicare, am I right? (laughs) (laughs) That's what they're not thinking about. Not not at all. That's not part of the So you can imagine Billy and Gene, right? These two kids, they grew up together. They're star-crossed lovers, and they go to college (laughs) up till a master's degree together. But one of them... Billy Gene... No, it's Billy and Gene. <laughs> it's not Billy Jane. <laughs> no, you can imagine Billy and Gene, uh, like they get the same degrees up till masters, and then maybe they go into different fields after that. One goes into sure. academia, one goes to the FDA. Yes, that's entirely possible. Okay, cool. Or is it more like 1870? It's like Don Corleone has his son, and his son, you know, he's not so bright, but he needs a job for his son, so he puts him in the FDA. No, it's not F- like that. Okay. The FDA is filled with plenty of smart and competent people, but it is right. true that they are. Uh, They're thinking about bigger things than, like, the some measure of the efficacy of a drug. They're integrating a lot of different kinds of information, of which a subset is the scientific part. I love integration. and Especially product integration. Drink Coke. Oh. Now they have to pay. Wow. Me. Is that actually integrating it, or do you <laughs> just shout that out as a non-sucker? <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> They're not going to give us any If it was a little bit more like a... 
Oh, yeah, well, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's just, man, I get so hot podcasting. Yeah, I need man, some I'll, refreshment. The best part of our Samus is Coke. Is that their song? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're in trouble <laughs> with so many people. Coke's in um, trouble. Okay. So. <laughs> Tab's coming back. So the thing is that uh, the Scientific Advisory Committee is, though, just focused on the science part of it, okay? They're looking right. through the literature back at what's already known about the disease in general, what's known about, you know, potentially this class of drugs, what people have seen in preclinical studies right. and clinical trials, right? So they're, they're trying to take this broad scope, but all of the science. Right. And the thing is that the FDA does not have to listen to their scientific advisory committee. Right. And, like and we say, don't want it to either, because it, in Senator Mike Lee's words, we are a republic, not a democracy. <laughs> I'd say in the past 10 years, it's about a one in five times they ignore the scientific okay, advisory. Okay, so usually committee. they listen to the advisory. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and this time they didn't. <laughs> right. Right. So this time the advisory committee was looking at the data for aducanumab. Yeah. And they saw the clinical trial data. They're sifting through. And then almost unanimously they were like, wow, fuck this shit. Like this this drug is garbage. So what, like one guy thought it wasn't garbage? Is that what that means? Yeah, yeah. It yeah. might have been. There's like Samuel Alito in the corner writing like, Well, a lot of Republicans uh, are investors in this drug. It might have been like a couple of them, but like it was almost unanimous. Okay. And they were like, No, do not approve this drug. Okay. And the FDA did. Yes, the FDA decided to go ahead and give the drug what's called accelerated approval. Mm-hmm. Okay. And yeah, in its final decision, the FDA basically was like, Yeah. We know that the clinical trials didn't, like, totally show the kind of efficacy that we were looking for. Like, it's not a slam dunk or anything. Right. But there are so many people with Alzheimer's, and there's going to be so many more, and there are no good drugs to treat them. Right. So we're just going to kind of let this one slide. Okay. And there's been a lot of patient advocacy groups that have been really pushing hard for approval on this. Right, who are just, like, utterly desperate for anything with Alzheimer's and, and are afraid that if the only drug with any hypothetical promise over the last 20 years gets just totally axed by the FDA, no drug company will ever invest in Alzheimer's again, and then we'll have another several decades before any breakthrough. Right, so, you know, there, there have been some talking about it in the sense of, oh, now we're going to see some more floodgates of investment in Alzheimer's drugs, right? you know, surrounding this kind of... I know I've already moved all my Dogecoin into <laughs> into Alzheimer's research. <laughs> I tell you, <laughs> I'm not going to pursue this line of thought because it's embarrassing. <laughs> but, uh, you know, China has cracked down on Bitcoin production recently. Ah. Um, they're finally going to the outlying provinces in China and really shutting down cryptocurrency mining. And egg on my face. Timing-wise, am I right? I'm just hoping... <laughs> Let's not dig into it. Let's not dig into it. Uh, I, I'm going to pivot from what you just said to hoping that graphics card prices goes down, go yeah. down so that I can buy a new graphics card for my computer sometime. Seriously. <laughs> so that I can finally play... Uh, cyberpunk yeah, yeah. which apparently was a shitty game so that's it's interesting know. how the bitcoin debate is really a sean versus bitcoin yeah over exactly. cyberpunk i, I just want to play the bad apparently not good game cyberpunk uh, all my friends love it really yeah i mean it was buggy but they said it was a lot of fun really idiosyncratic uh, yeah i mean they they really uh, enjoyed it well then i want my computer to be able just, to handle it yeah yeah okay so bitcoin uh, really needs yeah, to die th- this is me against we're bitcoin. talking about alzheimer's sean that's right yes yeah. and specifically you know so there are some doctors, clinicians, that are kind of worried that prescribing do, this do kind of drug... Do you really pronounce it clinicians? Yeah, why? I, I just pronounced it wrong the whole time. What were you trying to... What, what, what were you saying? I thought it was clinicklittons. <laughs> I, I don't think... Is anyone allowed to say clinicklittons? I was like, we clinicklittons. <laughs> we few. We brave clinicklittons. <laughs> For he today sheds his blood with me shall be my clinicklittons. <laughs> there he be so vile. <laughs> that was my St. Clinton's Day speech. You say it a lot more often than I thought you would in casual conversation. Um, I quote Shakespeare more often than I should. So, clinicians, doctors, right, are yeah. just like kind of wondering, is it actually a good idea to prescribe this to patients? Yeah. Because, like, is it giving false hope? Do they really know that this is going to help anybody? Right, and, um, then, and then this is what the advisory board is like, it's not going to help anybody. <laughs> And kind of at, at its root, you know, people were talking about like, oh, there's going to be maybe more investment in Alzheimer's research. But what if it's investment in the wrong line of thinking? Right, right. This drug really does hinge on the amyloid hypothesis right. being correct. 
And what if this is kind of chasing down the wrong direction when we could be trying to fund some of these other hypotheses? It's like if Joe Biden's like infrastructure plan was $2 trillion in dirigibles. <laughs> You're like, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't know. <laughs> so I do like it when the government spends a shitload of money, but yeah. maybe not dirigibles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, what Keynesians? <laughs> like, come on, dirigibles? Yeah. So the thing is that, as I mentioned, the FDA approved it for accelerated approval, right? And technically, that is not complete approval. Right. What that means is that the company needs to do another clinical trial. Because they canceled a prior clinical trial, right? They canceled the clinical trials that they submitted in order to get this drug approved. Awkward. (laughs) But anyway, they need to do another clinical trial um, to take a look to see whether this drug actually, like, slows the progress of Alzheimer's. Yeah. The FDA is going to give them nine years to do it. But during those nine years, the company, Biogen, is allowed to market and sell this drug, okay? Yeah. At a price of, like, 56000 per patient per year, okay? Now, you know, it's like, oh, well, they're going to make them do another clinical trial. Like, that's kind of reasonable, right? There's some questions about its efficacy. Like, let's do another trial. Yeah. Um, but there are a couple issues, okay? So, first of all, the FDA, its track record is pretty shitty about following up and hounding businesses to actually, like, finish their trials. Yeah, Donald Trump's budget for the FDA famously was $3.50, <laughs> so they don't have the money to follow up on stuff. So, the FDA gives, like, companies, like, a lot of leeway in terms of, like, oh, you're a little late on your clinical trial, like, all right, you know, it's whatever. because it's a good, it's a good institution in a broader capitalist system, <laughs> okay? I don't like tyranny of drugs being good. So, yeah. the other thing... Is that this trial, to be really convincing, is going to need to be placebo-controlled. Right, okay? right. But the thing is... That's hard with Alzheimer's, isn't it? Well, I mean, in this case, it's an IV drug, so you just hook people up to an IV bag that... Stacey, edit out my stupid comment. <laughs> well, no, it's just you, you hook them up to an IV bag. It is still a little bit of a hard sell. Yeah. Because patients going into the trial know they have a chance of being assigned placebo. Right. Right. And if they're assigned placebo, that means they need to come in once a month for, like, a year and get an IV drip for, like, one to two hours that's got, like, fucking salt water in it. Like, it's got nothing useful for them. I would do it. Um, I like salt water. But here's the thing. Yes. For a lot of clinical trials, enrollment, right, there might not be another option on the market. Yeah. Okay? But right now, the idea is there's literally the exact same option on the market. Right. You could just pay... To 100% know you're getting the drug. It's already on the market? Uh, it's approved. Oh, shit. That's the thing. Well, it's... that is weird then. Yeah, because like basically it'd be like, oh, well, you could sign up for this clinical trial. Right. And you'd have maybe a 50-50 shot of getting placebo or not. Uh, usually more like 30% or something. But like a 30% chance you're not getting the drug you want at all. Right. Or you can just like get it prescribed and then 100% get it. But isn't this where American wealth inequality is to our benefit, right? Because a lot of poor people, they can't afford this drug because it's super expensive, right? So they'll do the clinical trial out of raw desperation. There's sort of a moral hazard type situation going on here, but like, you know. If there's anything I've learned, Sean, (laughs) moral hazards are words that some academics used to get in the way of progress. (laughs) Um, Just kidding. Yeah, so basically, <laughs> you know, this is this is a rough type situation. Right. And who knows exactly what insurance is going to be doing to cover it and who's going to have it covered by what. And right. Bernie was really mad about the idea of Medicare covering it. But like, right. you know, obviously, there's a shit. Obviously, Bernie people. needs it. Bernie ain't a spring chicken, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, so then on top of this accelerated approval thing yeah. the FDA also made a controversial decision to grant a pretty wide approval label All right okay which is like what sorts of patients should get prescribed this drug okay the trials were done on people with early stage alzheimers okay and biogen was expecting to get approved for early stage alzheimers which is like 1 to 2 million people in the US yeah but the FDA gave them approval for anyone with alzheimers wow all six million Americans. Right. So first of all, that's way more than Biogen was asking for. Like they, right. they didn't. Their clinical trial was not designed for that. Right. We do not have data on whether this is useful for people with advanced dementia and Alzheimer's. Interesting. Might not be useful at all. And in fact, today, the day of this recording, the FDA rolled that back. Yeah. We're like, sorry. I mean, what we meant was it should only be for early symptoms of Alzheimer's. There's got to be a historical lineage here, right? Because I remember during the HIV AIDS crisis, uh, there was a big patient advocacy debate where doctors or scientists or pharmaceuticals weren't sure if a drug worked and were really hesitant, reticent, willing at all to let it out there, right? And patient advocacy groups uh, pushed for the release of drugs 
to be willing experimental participants, right? Yeah. Which makes sense at the time, given the fact that it seemed like, on some level, anti-gay discrimination. But now that's the strategy of all patient advocacy groups. It's like, look, let us partake in any drug, regardless of its actual value or efficacy, off of the irrational hope that it has any semblance of value. And isn't that just like, isn't that just religion at that point? I mean, isn't that like buying into people's utterly unfounded and irrational preconceptions of their own health? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, health and your literal life, it's hard they to imagine. They don't belong to you. Like, they well, belong so, to the community. No, just it, it's hard to imagine just something kidding. like more worthy of you passionately trying to advocate for your continued existence, right? So that's like, true. I, I understand the impulse. But this is why you have like, what's that Denzel Washington movie where his son is sick and he gets a gun and he like holds up a hospital to get treatment? Yeah. That's yeah. what you should do. <laughs> right? Collateral, is yeah. that right? No, no, no. <laughs> I guess Ezra Washington's kind of like if he took Tom Cruise and Jamie Foxx in that movie and fused them. Peltum 1, 2, 3. Is that, is no. that the name of a movie? No, man. It's like something cute. But that's what you should do. You should oh, get a gun. Oh, yeah, you're right. You it's, like, it's, like, it's like Johnny, Johnny Quest or John, something like John, that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, no, I okay. know what you're talking about. A few steps back. <laughs> I do think that it is part of the FDA's responsibility to try to weigh those elements. Okay, It is true, Alzheimer's is currently an incurable disease, a progressive one that gets worse and worse, and one that is going to be afflicting a larger and larger share of Americans. And so the idea of trying to, or, or that kind of tipping the scales a little bit, Right. I understand. And as we get a little bit later into this episode, we'll talk about what the actual data from the clinical trials was. And I think that when you look at it from that perspective, I don't think it's completely out of left field that the FDA approved this drug. Right. I just, what I wonder, I guess, you know, we have to talk about the science here and yeah, the statistics. Sure, sure, yeah. But like, isn't the answer to the, the con this conflict over Alzheimer's pharmaceuticals, isn't the answer not to approve drugs that have low or no efficacy for theories that people don't even agree upon. That's not the solution. The solution is that Joe Biden should pop a fat moonshot fucking Keynesian load and just drop a billion bucks on pharmaceuticals to do it, right? I mean, like, if we're going to use the government to help deal with, with a disease that doesn't have a clear market solution, isn't that the way to do it? Rather than just like, say yes to whatever snake oil a pharmaceutical is peddling. <laughs> I, I would agree with you, except I, I think that's... This call, is not snake oil. Calling the snake oil is like a little far on this snake one. Snake like oil this. is loaded with antioxidants. <laughs> <laughs> you can get like a good fry-up going. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Snake oil is great, dude. It's still a cooking oil. Okay, let's not cook crazy on it. Okay, but in the next chunk of the episode, we will talk about what is the evidence around. Okay? Right, but, right, right. You know, but before that, I don't think we're quite done okay. with controversy, okay? We're not done. Another piece of controversial little, uh, you know, fiddle-faddle is the price. You're right. It's okay. like a billion dollars, right? It is $56,000 per yeah. person per year, wow. which is not as bad as, like, some cancer drugs. Right. But also much more than people were expecting it to be. Right. There's this institute called ICER. Yeah. It's the Institute for uh, Clinical and Economic Review. And what they do is they look at a bunch of different kinds of drugs and they kind of determine like, okay, what would the price be if we calculated in some research and development and stuff right. like that. And what they think the fair market price of this would be is $2,500 to $8,300. Okay. So, so way less. Yeah. Way fucking less. Chump change. Okay. So that, that is one of the reasons why Bernie's so mad right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, why is it so expensive? Because they're the only Alzheimer's drug on the market. Ah, so it's purely supply and demand. See, <laughs> we're not economists. Right. Like I, I'm not an economist. I don't yeah, actually I'm not know. a huckster liar. Is that I, I don't, I don't 100% know what all of the potential costs that you might try to fold into this particular thing is. Right. right? Like, I, I don't know if, okay, uh, for example, I'm pretty sure I'm aware that like marketing ends up getting kind of brought into the drug price. Right, right. You gotta make posters. Right, but like, you know, baby. and like cutouts. And yeah, yeah, yeah. just some old <laughs> I can remember again. Yeah. Yeah. Or like dudes on like the street corners that like dance around with like the cardboard thing. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Alzheimer's drug. This <laughs> <way>. <laughs> 
And like, you know, all of that maybe gets folded into the price, including the price for the clinical trials, right. maybe including the price for research and development on failed drugs unrelated to Alzheimer's. Right. You just have to like fix your bottom line for the entire company. If you have one product that wins out, you need to charge as much as you can for it to pay for all the other shit that didn't work or something. Right. At the same time, on top of that, they are for-profit corporations. Right. In the United States of America. Right. A for-profit nation. And therefore, it would not surprise me if on top of that, they're like, we need to pay for some fat bonuses for yeah. people. Yeah. And we are legitimately the only drug on the market that does this. Yeah. So we can charge however much we can get away with it and then do it. You know right. what I mean? So that was long. What we need to do now is we need to take a break. Yeah. Okay. <gasps> and then when we come back, we're going to talk some more about the drug itself. Right. Okay. What's going on there? All this and more on Petri Dish. Science, culture, culinary news. News. (laughs) Okay, Stacy, have you heard the news? No. Okay, so Beyond Meat has a new product out. Okay. As our listeners probably know, as you know, a lot of the plant-based meats have had a lot of success with ground meats, right? With burgers is, is the big flagship thing. Right. Well, there's been a lot more difficulty in replicating chicken. Mm-hmm. And one of the main reasons, of course, is we don't tend to ground chicken. Chicken has a fibrous quality about right. it, right? Like it has kind of a unique texture. And much like steak, which, you know, listeners remember our episode two is about this. But steak's like a huge bitch to actually like make a fake version of or a plant version of. And that's also true of chicken. Right. Beyond Meat now has a prototype chicken tender. Wow. So they have a plant-based chicken tender, and apparently it's pretty freaking good. Okay. They tried one in 2012, Beyond Meat, and it didn't go particularly well. It wasn't good enough. It didn't have the texture or quality of... I don't mean quality as in good or bad, but it, it didn't have the intrinsic qualities of chicken. So they searched the whole world for plant substitutes, and they kind of ended up settling on fava beans. And somehow they've made fava beans that have the fibrous quality of chicken, at least relatively, and of course the flavor. So it's being released in select locations. Wow. Uh, You can go on Beyond Meat's website, Uh uh, type in your zip code, and guess how many places nearby us are doing it? Four! Fucking zero. Oh. And then I looked up Los Angeles, and the answer was zero. Oh. What the hell's going on, man? Right. Yeah. Los there's like, Angeles should be, like, the place to do it. There's, like, nowhere in L.A. where I can try these goddamn chicken tenders. Right. But, listeners, you should go out. You should give it a try. See what you think of the new Beyond Meat chicken tenders. And, you know, like them, hate them. Tweet at Sean. <laughs> <laughs> and tell him what you think. So you could torture him into eventually flying out to, like, some other city to try them out. That sounds great. So Beyond Meat Chicken Tenders. Yeah. And that's it on Science, Culture, Culinary News. Okay, Sean, tell me about the drug! (laughs) (laughs) Tell me. Uh, For listeners... Stacey and I have been watching a lot of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. <laughs> and, oh my god! It's been really like in my brain. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> That's all I've been thinking about. Yeah. Uh, excellent. Okay. And Sean, you gotta watch it. Okay, write in campaign, <sighs> listeners. My, okay, you send mail to Sean. My list of TV shows is so long right now. Gotta jump. And I keep going back and rewatching things. Stop it. Alright. So, the drug itself. Yeah. Educanumab. Yeah, what is it? It is an antibody. Oh, okay. Okay, it is a monoclonal antibody. So, y'all remember what antibodies are, right? They're proteins. They're made by your immune system. They like to grab onto stuff. Yes. Okay, they're kind of Y-shaped, and those two arms on the Ys like to grab onto things, and the feet of the antibody can bind onto immune cells, which can help, you know, sort of tell the immune cell to eat whatever the Y is grabbing onto. All right, cool. Monoclonal in the monoclonal antibody means that it's a very specific antibody. Cool. When your body mounts an immune response to like a flu, it'll make dozens of different kinds of antibodies. Cool. All to like different parts of the flu, right? But a monoclonal antibody is just like one of those. And it's got like one super specific target and it just hits that single thing, okay? So that's what's going on here is it's a very specific antibody that they made here. Sexy. All right. Now, what does this very specific antibody bind to? It binds to amyloid beta. Oh, wow. I've never heard of that. 
idiot. Listen to episode one. You dumb you Dumbass! I hate you. <laughs> you okay. doing me right now? <laughs> All right. <laughs> Introducing my Sean impression. We're gonna get to a point where I could just do you in these episodes. Oh my god! Money, clonal, and the body. Wow, saving yeah. money. Oh, cutting me out of the picture. Yeah. We spent time in the last episode discussing amyloid beta. Nice. It's a peptide, so a small chunk of a protein that gets formed when enzymes cut up a protein called amyloid precursor protein. I cannot believe this hasn't happened, Sean. What? We need to make like an animated series for kids that's polypeptide. And it's like a girl peptide named polypeptide. And it like (laughs) takes you through the human body and through proteins that and amino acids that matter. It's like, hey, y'all, I'm polypeptide. So I agree that that's an excellent (laughs) idea. (laughs) What Uh, the fuck? Oh my God! (laughs) (laughs) Right back into JoJo. If we could get some of that JoJo quality animation, I think that that would really be interesting. <laughs> uh, okay. <So laughs> Damn, actually, dude. Actually, if, if, if polypeptide was like just like a super ripped dude. Yeah, yeah. My name is polypeptide. With like, a, with like a blonde pigtail wig on. Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> polypeptide! Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, dude. That'd be fucking awesome. <laughs> All right. So... Amyloid beta, this peptide, can just hang around. Just floating around on its own. Okay. Okay. And when it's floating around solo, it's said to be in its soluble monomer form. All right. All right. But amyloid beta does like to stick to shit, including to more amyloid beta. Kinky. When you get small clumps of amyloid beta that are still able to float around, those are called soluble oligomers. Okay. Okay. What? It just sounds nerdy. Soluble oligomers. <laughs> this is science. Like it is nerdy. Nelson or something. No, not Nelson. <laughs> Millhouse. Millhouse. Yeah. Millhouse wasn't even smart enough to be a nerd. That's true. Yeah. He was just a loser. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, dude. It's sad how they just like probably found one writer in the writer's room at all times and he was the Millhouse. Yeah, it was, it was like somebody's middle name was Millhouse. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah, you're Millhouse, you bitch. <laughs> That's fucked up. Uh, <laughs> what a bunch of Ivy League schmucks. You I know. know? <laughs> yes. That was a tough writer. Um, and then there are clumps of amyloid beta. I love it. That have so much amyloid beta in there that they cannot float around anymore. Cool. Okay, and these are called insoluble aggregates, a.k.a. plaques. Okay? Plaques can be inside or outside of cells. Yeah. A lot of the bigger plaques tend to be outside of the cells, but amyloid beta aggregates and oligomers can end up inside of cells as well. So, aducanumab is an antibody, and it's supposed to bind not just any amyloid beta, but specifically oligomers and plaques, not the monomers. Okay. Okay. Now, this is supposed to be a good thing, because monomers are all over the place, there's a shitload of them, and they're not known to necessarily be bad, per se. Right. So if you had something like an antibody that binds the monomer and oligomer and plaque. Maybe people forget how to add. We don't even know. (laughs) We don't even know what happened. Yeah, it could be bad. But also it might just waste your antibody. Right. You might use up a bunch of your antibody binding monomers and there won't be any left over to bind the plaques. Right. So so basically it's good that aducanumab specifically hits the oligomers and the plaques. Okay, cool. All right. A couple of key points here to talk about. First of all, this drug is given intravenously. Yeah. All right. So you need to have, you know, kind of an IV bag set up. You got this drip going on, right? But that means it's in your blood. All right. It needs to get into your brain. Preferably, we would just drill a hole in the head and just shoot it right through there, right? I liked your vocab word that you used when we were having dinner. Chimpanzeeing. (laughs) Chimpanzee. (laughs) Why did you get dumber since we ate? I've had more wine. (laughs) The pork belly went up to your head. Uh, Yeah, trepanning. I do think that, you know, you'd have way more of the antibody in your brain. Yeah. That could be nice. Along with some other stuff, like Uh, my spit. Because when I uh, trepan people, I'm like a chef. If I don't like it, I'll go... <laughs> I spit right in the hole. Huh. I'm like, fuck you, guy. I bet you don't tip. <laughs> and then I knock the skull back in. So I should say that there are certain treatments out there that do involve basically injections of liquid into the brain, basically. Awesome. Pretty much directly. Those tend to be pretty dangerous. Right. Or at least can have side effects relatively commonly. Right. But in a lot of cases, they're treatments for something like glioblastoma. And it's like, 
dude, you're going to die if you don't get this treatment. So right. it's like dangerous versus like definitely dead. Right. You just take dangerous, right? Whereas since this drug doesn't really work anyway, it's like, why <laughs> would you risk someone's life? <laughs> don't, don't do this yet. <laughs> um, but the main point is that Alzheimer's takes a long time, right? It's not quite as acute as cancer is. Right. And so having something like that to be able to drip stuff into people's brain. Unless over... you suddenly forgot like a really important thing, like your code to all your Bitcoin. <laughs> and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> suddenly, totally I don't like what crypto has done to you. <laughs> the thing is that despite getting injected IV, it needs to get into your brain. Yeah. We have a thing called the blood-brain barrier. Yeah. Shout out to our episode on the blood-brain barrier. Woo! Okay. And the blood-brain barrier does a pretty good job of keeping shit out of your brain in general, right. including antibodies a lot of the time. Right. Now, the thing is... Based off of both preclinical experiments using things like mice and stuff like that, and clinical trial evidence. Yes. This antibody definitely gets into people's brains. Definitely. A lot of it probably still gets blocked by the blood-brain barrier such as it is, but yeah. plenty of it gets into the brain to do what it needs to do. Okay. And that's possibly because in Alzheimer's patients, their blood-brain barrier might already be a little bit more porous than in kind of your healthy person. Is it actually binding to the right stuff we need it to bind to, though? Like, because uh, weren't all the plaques we cared about in the cell? Well, we'll get into that a little bit later, too. Ow! The, <laughs> no, actually, no, you're right. Whoa! We're talking about it right now. Oh, my God! Yeah, you're so smart. Uh, the second point is that antibodies are too big to get into cells. Yes. And some amyloid beta is outside of the cell, and some of it's inside the cell. And we're not... I would say I'm not 100% sold on which one is, like, the one that's causing Alzheimer's, if either of them are, which I'm also not sold on. Hey, what's the what's the Mexican expression for my god? Ay Dios mio. Ay Dios. I always say, like, y de mis <laughs> <laughs> I just, I've stopped saying it because I know it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ay, like, ay, ay, ay. Ay. <laughs> ay Dios mio. Yeah. Okay, ay Dios mio. <laughs> yeah. Dios mio is the my god part. Ah, uh, okay, okay. Anyway. Yes. Break. Keep going. Let's take a break. Whoa! Because we're running really hot. Are you still got the crypto sweats? I'm actually hot. <laughs> and then when we come back, let's go ahead and finish up the episode by talking about the side effects of this drug. And then finally, let's finish up with what were the results from those clinical trials that they have already done. Doesn't work. <laughs> Just kidding. So naughty. Kind of. The following is an actual advertisement. Hey there, new friends. This is Ellen Weatherford. Do you like animals? Do you enjoy arbitrarily rating things out of 10? Can you tolerate puns? If so, join me and my husband Christian over at Just the Zoo of Us for a weekly review of your favorite animal species. Just the Zoo of Us is available on Spotify, iTunes, and other podcast apps. You can find us at anchor.fm slash just the zoo of us. See you soon. Do 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 Blingo blingo. What the fuck? Back. Is this good? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got a cartoon to show you. What are the side effects? What are the side effects of Vakumanabab? Yes. The main side effect is something called Aria. Yes. Or amyloid imaging abnormalities. Wait, wait, wait. Let, let's. Android uh, radion interference assassin girl. Yes. Yeah, and it's like a hot chick, but he's like part android. <laughs> and so Aria is named after what people see on brain MRI scans after treating patients with stuff that targets amyloid beta. I think we all know it's it's a dork naming a science thing after what he likes in music. <laughs> I think we all know it's a guy who likes opera and is mad no one else likes opera still. Generally speaking, scientists like to make acronyms that don't really fit what they're trying to make the acronym for, but like sounds really cool. Yeah. Anyway. These things that they're seeing on the MRI scans are typically brain edema or microhemorrhaging. Okay. Brain, yeah. brain edema would be brain swelling. Yeah. And microhemorrhaging are like little tiny brain bleeds. As a victim of six a day, I tell you, it's hard. <laughs> well, so bad. the thing is, in the clinical trials, out of the patients that were treated, 41% of them developed aria at some point. That's okay. bad. Well, it seems like a lot. Seems like a lot. Yeah. Uh, Aria does not necessarily cause, like, an acute problem immediately. Wow. Like, it doesn't, like, it's not like, oh, shit, get the crash cart. Like, oh, man, like, this guy's going code blue or something like that. It's just not good, probably. Okay. There's some small evidence that maybe Aria can kind of lead to increased levels of stroke down the line. Okay. So, you know, 
Eh, so but like, it, so it, you take this drug, 41% of you is going to have brain swelling or, or hemorrhages. Micro hemorrhages. <laughs> it sounds like a bad drug. Well, 41% is a lot. Uh, That's like not even as many Americans died in the Civil War. I was reading a paper a pretty large margin, by a company that also believes in the amyloid hypothesis, but has their own drug that they're developing that doesn't have ARIA side effects. Okay. And they were doing a big takedown of this drug and like how bad ARIA can be or whatever. But, you know, I, right. I, think, I think at least what I should say is 41% of patients get ARIA, but ARIA can be classified into like mild, moderate, severe, things like that. And so the percent of them that got severe ARIA was 13% of the 41%. You okay. know? So we're talking like maybe like 5% or so of the patients overall is got that severe like, ARIA. Is that like normal in drugs? Like huh. a normal percentage of people getting brain I mean, stuff? No, this, but this is a brain stuff drug. So like it causes brain stuff. Like, you know, it's, it's pretty hardcore. But That's, Alzheimer's is hardcore too. I guess so. It sounds bad. I was, maybe I'm just like a layman. You know, I'm just like a bartender. You know, I'm polishing glasses. Well, that no, seems like I, a lot of people. I think you're right. But there's a lot of considerations into like what kinds of side effects are tolerable if it like slows down or stops Alzheimer's. I feel like if 5% of all grandmas got Aria, uh, Joe Biden's getting shot in the White House. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like that's like a lot. Of, <laughs> that's like a lot of people. I'd like it if we can beep shot just so people don't know what you thought. <laughs> Ass <laughs> Okay. All right. But that is the major side effect. There are some more minor side effects like headaches, dizziness, falling down. <laughs> sure. Just, just, yeah. I mean, what it is, you know? Yeah. That's why they got them chairs. People are old. Late so night like, commercials that go up and down the stairs. You old, know what I mean? Old people are going to fall down sometimes. That's like reality. Anyway. What are you going to do? Okay. So then, now let's talk about finally the results. Yeah. Because what I've heard is that in the trial they were doing in like 2018 or something, Akamanamab just got like full blown canceled right like yeah. it, like they were doing clinic like trial three clinical trial stage three three trial they're doing the, the trial three stage three of the trials oh my God. <laughs> and, and it got like it like just wasn't working yes 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 <laughs> surprisingly what you said was correct i think every combination of words you said was actually true my my mouth actually always betrays my mind my mind is like a uh, hundred meters a second, dude. <laughs> so <laughs> My the, mouth's bad. They actually ran two phase three clinical trials. Those are the ones that you need to do before the FDA can approve your drug. Okay? Yeah. So those are the ones where you're actually looking for efficacy. You're enrolling a lot of people. You mm -hmm. know, like we're talking about 500 people getting the placebo, 500 people getting a low dose, and 500 people getting a high dose of the drug. Okay? All right. So 1,500 people, that's a reasonably big-sized study. And it, yeah, so phase three trial, very legit. Mm -hmm. You're also right that they canceled both of those trials. Wow. Because an analysis of the data as it was coming in said, you know what? I don't think we're going to reach our primary end goal, which is to see cognitive improvement in the patients that receive okay. the drug versus placebo. But twist, didn't they just hire some statisticians <laughs> to like fiddle with the data to make it work? Kind of. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Basically, they went back and they looked at one of the trials and they're like, oh, if you, like, run some simulations on, like, how it would have ended, then, like, actually, like, it, like, ends up looking pretty good. Oh like, I think God. we nailed it. Oh, my God! Um, That's crazy. So. That's crazy. They did that extra analysis, and what they found was that the 547 patients treated with the high dose of aducanumab saw a statistically significant improvement in cognitive tests compared to placebo patients, mm. which was 548 people. Crazy. The lower dose of aducanumab trended in kind of the same direction, but was not statistically significant. So it was okay. only the high dose that was statistically significant. All right. This result was not matched in the other trial. So they did two trials, designed the same, both phase three studies, one of them, they saw this result. The other one, they did not see the statistical result. Hmm. In both of the trials, and for both doses, the high dose and the low dose, in all of those cases, they did see a reduction in the amyloid beta in people's brains. All right. Okay, so patients that got this drug, this drug does do what the monoclonal antibody physically does, which is bind up amyloid beta plaques and then get them cleared out of the brain. Right. Okay, so that part is real. Whether or not 
that is strongly connected to treating or curing Alzheimer's really fucking depends on how you believe in the amyloid hypothesis. Right. Or your faith in general. <laughs> uh, I, have an, I have a theory, but I'm going to save it for later. Okay, not too much later. About faith. Because we're almost done with this episode. It's going to be the, the, the capstone, the tombstone, if you will, to this episode. To our podcast, really. <laughs> <laughs> the epitaph, if yeah. you will. <laughs> See, the thing is that even within the amyloid hypothesis, which, to kind of very briefly recap what it would be, is the idea that amyloid beta causing some kind of aggregation is the cause of Alzheimer's disease. Even if that's true, it's possible that removing it down the road, once you already have Alzheimer's, might not cure you or treat you that much. It might be that amyloid starts something, and then it's kind of a runaway train. And even if you got rid of that starting factor, right. it doesn't help you anymore. Right. right? So that's possible. Another thing that's possible is that we mentioned that amyloid beta can aggregate in a few different ways. In plaques or in oligomers, and it can hang out solo, right? There are scientists that believe in the amyloid hypothesis, but have different opinions on which one of those things are the bad thing. Some scientists think that the oligomers are the bad ones, and the plaques actually protect you. That having plaques around is basically like a dump site where oligomers get trapped and can't do the naughty stuff that they do. Okay. So hypothetically, if this drug is clearing out plaques, it might make Alzheimer's worse. Oh. So... Like, <laughs> this is kind of getting to our basic problem, which is that because we don't have a clear right. theory of Alzheimer's, right. it's hard to have a clear sense of why a drug would or would not work. Right. We have these hypotheses, but there's conflicting evidence for the different hypotheses, including the amyloid hypothesis. Right. And that conflicting evidence makes it so that it's very difficult to design a drug targeting a very specific thing and being sure that it's working right. very well. Which is why we have to have a whole other episode. That's part three of Alzheimer's. That's all about different theories from Tao, yeah, right, to the Tao, oh, right, to Theta, Whoa. to Wamu. Right? <laughs> <laughs> gotta have all the different theories. Yeah, I hope I hope one listener has watched JoJo. Someone, like, I mean, I have. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what the real problem is here. Uh, Aloui Alzheimer's. Uh, when was he doing his work again? Like 1900, basically? Yeah, yeah. So this was around the same time as a thesis came out, uh, God in the Gaps. During Darwinian's Origin of Species, Anglican uh, ministers and theologians were trying to carve out a space for God in this world and ultimately, of course, failed. Very famously, God died around in 1903. Uh, and <laughs> about one year into our occupation of the Philippines. That's very specific. <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, I mean, isn't it just like obvious that like the plaque buildup is a uh, 120-year result of the death of God? Oh, so it's like little bits of God corpse. Yeah, exactly. Kind of clogging up our Yeah, lives. if a certain amount of God's ineffable soul <laughs> wasn't every human, as his body decays into putrid vitriol. Yeah, it's like a whale fall. Yeah, ex exactly, exactly. We're like our souls are the bottom of the ocean, just being littered with the debris of a decaying God. I'm not... You're I'm not, not sure we're allowed to do this. <laughs> I'm like not 100% sure that we can blaspheme this way and like, like get away with it. No natural allies. <laughs> well, that's beautiful. Yeah. That was a beautiful thought. Yeah. It's actually a very disturbing thought. Um, but end of the day, what do we say about this drug? Right. right. It definitely clears out the plaque. Right. Okay. And if the plaque is a causative factor, then if they do manage to pull off this next clinical trial, maybe it will show a result. Okay. But maybe we're just touching the tiniest part of the trunk of the elephant. I think that having two phase three clinical trials that you stopped early because they seemed to be failing. Yeah. And then one of them, no matter what you did, still ended up being a failure. Right. And then the other one, you managed to eke out a small win. Yeah. Should be an indication that maybe this thing needs more tinkering. Right. Okay. That Like this isn't a slam dunk yet. Right. So I feel like it's premature to approve this drug. Right. And what's interesting, I mean, the FDA's approval, unless you take like a really cynical point of view, which is like regulatory capture or something. Sure. Right. It's funny because there's this big debate whether these bureaucratic bodies, uh, how they function within a unitary executive or something, whether they're democratic at all. But in reality, they do care about representative influences. 
They sure. they do exist within a broader kind of political understanding of the world, not in a cynical sense, right? Like they are responding to the polity and to the people in the polity. Um, and sometimes that means they're going to approve drugs that don't work <laughs> because like a very important portion of Americans are totally freaked out about Alzheimer's. Yeah. So actually, that's great. That's a really good point. This brings up a historical context. If this drug ends up not working, okay, yeah. this would not be the first drug that was approved by the FDA and later found to not work. There are a few examples of cancer drugs right. that were approved for the drug. And the reason why, a lot of times, is the use of surrogate markers for efficacy. Mm -hmm. Okay, And so what that means is in cancer, what we really care about is surviving. Right. For as long as possible. Right. Right. But we don't really want to wait to approve a drug for 10, 20 years to make sure no one relapses from cancer or right. dies again. It's right? kind of besides the point. So instead, a lot of times what we'll look at is a surrogate marker like the tumor shrinking. Right. We'll be like, okay, the tumor shrinking, that's awesome. That means it's going away. Right. Maybe that's a good indicator that this person's going to survive. And 20 years later, we'll realize no, but at right. the time, right. fuck it, it. So it's entirely possible and has happened in the past where drugs will get approved. A lot of times they'll get approved for a specific cancer. And then it turns out, oh, you know what? It's actually not that good for that cancer. But it still works for a different cancer. I guess this particular drug in this instance intersect with so many hot, hot, hot issues right. that it's feeling very hot. Yes. But at the end of the day, it's not really the first time the FDA's... There's a lot of historical antecedents. Right, yeah. right. And, you know, for some people, they see this as a historic thing, but potentially one that could end up being good. They see silver lining in it, like more funding or something. Right. And then there are other people who are like, there's going to be a lot of people getting this drug, paying a lot of money for it, and not seeing any benefit. And you know what? That's a cold potential reality, too. You know? Right, so right, I, right. I think in any they case. They could both be true, even. Right. So I think. In fact, I hope so. <laughs> Because, because it's more fun that way? No, Biogen <laughs> needs money. All right. No one's sticking up for the pharmaceutical companies anymore. All right. Well, in any case, guys. God bless America. I do want to drive home the idea, though, that, right. that this is a legitimate controversy. But it's right. a controversy in part because it's complicated. Yeah. And that is the reality of it. And we could be coming back in a decade and being like, oh, you know what? That drug didn't fucking work at all. Right. You know? and, right. and that would be a solid bummer. Hopefully by it's, then we have one that does work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> Let's say thank you to Stacy Song, our sound lord and engineer and animator. Let me just say, what? I feel like I'm toxic, but like a snake, whereas the same toxins that could kill could also save. You know, like that's like wow. I'm I'm like two sides of the same coin. Oh, I think Meow, snakes are typically venomous. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not saying, toxic. Uh, <laughs> I mean, isn't a venom toxic if it gets you? Is that, like, does toxic mean a different thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's whether, it's whether it injects you and then is deadly to you or whether you, like, eat it. Oh, and toxic is something that you eat. Mm -hmm. So thank you, Stacy, our sad lord and engineer. And thank you to Brian Allen for artwork. Uh, you guys can <laughs> Yeah, we switched the order. So now you have to sit there and be like, wait, hold on. Do we have <laughs> Twitter? Do yes. I Twitter <laughs> at Dish Podcast. Gmail, petridishpod at gmail.com. Patreon, patreon.com slash petridish. Thank you, guys. And listen in next week for Alzheimer's Part 3, Return of Alzheimer's. Yeah. The third time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. keeps, keeps coming. Keeps coming. Other hand! <laughs> All right, you guys. See you next time. Da 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 da